You are tuned to Community Radio, KVMR-FM, Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Thursday, May 6th. I'm Claudio Mendoza, and it's time for the KVMR Evening News. In 2018, the campfire roared through the town of Paradise. Now, almost a year and a half after PG&E reached a $13.5 billion settlement, most of the victims are still waiting for compensation. The California report has the details. Then we'll look at regional headlines and weather before Hospitality House's Needs of the Week and then Bravehearts. This week is part two of an interview with Robert, a man who has lived in the woods of Nevada County for many years. We'll wrap things up with an essay by Molly Fisk. This is the California Report. I'm Lily Jamali. A year and a half after the utility PG&E reached a $13.5 billion settlement with 70,000 fire victims, most of them have yet to see a dime. But a KQED investigation finds that a trust set up to distribute all those billions of dollars has paid itself handsomely, at least $50 million last year. During that time, fire survivors got a fraction of that, just $7 million. Teresa McDonald is a survivor of the 2018 campfire, which destroyed her home in the town of Paradise. I think the people who are running this trust, who are controlling the entire process, were none of them victims of these fires. Don't understand the need for speed. Joining me now is Scott McNutt. He's a veteran bankruptcy attorney and a former California State Bar governor. Scott, welcome to the California Report. Pleasure to be with you, Lily. Thank you. Thanks for being here. So we have found that this Fire Victim Trust spent $50 million in overhead, and that compares to $7 million that went to fire victims in 2020. And I wanted to begin by asking you if that sounds reasonable to you. That sounds entirely unreasonable to me. This bankruptcy case was filed in order to protect the wildfire victims. They've been waiting for nearly three years. They've gotten essentially nothing so far. And the question is, how much is getting distributed, how fast, and to how many people? And, and that's where there are a lot of question marks here. This has taken too long, in my opinion. And Scott, what do you make of the trustee uh, himself, John Trotter, making $1,500 an hour, the, the top claims administrator is making 1250 an hour, and then plus you have this web of, you know, at least a half a dozen firms, law firms and Wall Street firms, making money off of this. Is this par for the course in situations like this? Judge Trotter's hourly rate is not offensive to me. It's perfectly within the realm of acceptable for some of, of his experience and integrity. The, the issue is what's getting done and how fast is it getting done? What's gonna get this money that's in the wildfire trust distributed to victims as quickly as possible? The individual hourly rates are not offensive. What is a little surprising is that they've distributed so little money and they've largely reinvented the wheel in the administration of the wildfire victims trust. There was hundreds of millions of dollars spent by professionals in the bankruptcy case, but none of those people are making an appearance in, in the trust administration. And that's a little surprising to me. And what would you say to someone like fire victim Teresa McDonald, who we just heard from, who 
is, you know, almost three years out from when she lost her home, is still dealing with the trauma of that, and is still waiting for help. I'd say to Teresa McDonald that I'd beg forgiveness for on behalf of all the professionals who work in this industry. This has been too long. The, the contours of this trust were agreed to a considerable period of time ago. And one group or another keeps shouldering themselves to the front of the line, wanting to get paid before the fire victims are paid. I, I, I think this thing will, will move along and I think people will keep pushing, but I am a, a little disappointed with what I've seen so far. Scott McNutt, a veteran bankruptcy attorney here in the Bay Area. Thank you. You're welcome, Lily. Thank you. And we should note that we've repeatedly asked the Fire Victim Trust for comment on their fees this past week. They declined all of our requests. You can read more about our exclusive investigation. It is up now on kqed.org. Support for the California Report comes from Blue Shield of California, closing the health care gap since 1939. Learn more about their commitment to quality and fair health care for every Californian at news.blueshieldca.com. Hint. Fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry. No sweeteners, no calories, in stores or delivered from drinkhint.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food. On the web at theschmidt.org. In Los Angeles, two photojournalists have filed separate federal lawsuits this week, claiming they've been harassed and physically assaulted by law enforcement officers while covering protests in the city over the last year. That's according to the L.A. Times. Now the city council is requesting a report from the LAPD on the department's conduct towards journalists. Councilman Mike Bonin introduced the motion. We've gotten official complaints from the Society for Professional Journalists uh, and they have asked us to, to look into this uh, and to a couple other dynamics. Uh, one of the other dynamics being that uh, at some of these recent demonstrations, the LAPD has tried to confine journalists to a press pen far from the demonstrations they were assigned to cover. Both the LAPD and the sheriff's office have declined to comment on the litigation. Finally this morning, most sports facilities are back in full swing as L.A. County moves into the yellow tier this week. But basketball courts in Venice Beach are another story. At the start of the pandemic, the county inserted iron bars in each hoop to stop COVID transmission. Those bars are still there, making play nearly impossible. KCRW's Angel Carreras has more. Venice Beach is like the mecca for West Coast basketball. People come from all over the world to visit it. All of a sudden, I... Everything's open but the basketball court. Nick Ansem lives in Venice and breathes basketball. He runs the Venice Basketball League, the Hoop Bus, which is the SAA bus with hoops on it, and a couple of basketball-related nonprofits. So he's understandably frustrated about himself and others getting hoop-blocked. It's especially weird because other courts nearby are open, but Parks and Rec says they're not supposed to be open unless someone has a permit, like a youth basketball team. They're hopeful the hoops will be unlocked when L.A. enters the yellow tier, but that choice is up to the L.A. Department of Public Health, who hasn't commented on this story. Ansem recently set up portable open hoops in front of the park's locked hoops. Like right away, like games start breaking off, and like it felt good to be back at home. You know, I'm still kind of sore from it. And we ended up playing from like noon till like 10 p.m., something ridiculous. Ansem installed a new set of donated hoops last weekend, got a game going again, which he's vowed to do until the court's permanent hoops are free. 
For the California Report, I'm Angel Carreras in Venice. And that is the California Report for this Thursday, May 6th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Lily Jamali. According to the Sacramento Bee, hundreds of thousands of Californians can look forward to a stimulus check ranging from $600 to $1,200 as part of the Golden State Stimulus, a program that aims to buoy low-income Californians and those facing hardships due to COVID-19. To qualify, you must be a California resident, not eligible to be claimed as a dependent, you must have filed your 2020 taxes and be a California Earned Income Tax Credit recipient with an annual income of less than $30,000 or someone who files with an individual tax identification number making less than $75,000. If you qualify, you must file your 2020 tax returns by October 15th of this year to receive your one-time payment. Quote, we passed the recovery package to get money into the pockets of Californians who were hit hardest by this pandemic, and that's exactly what the Golden State stimulus is doing, Governor Gavin Newsom said in a statement. Californians who have not filed their 2020 taxes should know they may qualify for these funds, and we look forward to building on programs like this that invest in and support Californians in the months ahead, end quote. Also from the Sacramento Bee, it's cycling season, and California lawmakers are advancing a bill that seeks to make intersections safer for bicyclists by allowing them to roll through stop signs. Its backers say it'll work by giving cyclists enough momentum to get through an intersection quickly while it creates predictable behavior for drivers to follow. Opponents say that the stop sign is part of the glue that holds together the social contract between cyclists and motorists, and that the bill will teach cyclists not to respect stop signs. Retired Davis Police Chief Phil Coleman, former president of the Davis Bike Club, says that it is important for bicyclists to maintain their momentum so that they can get through an intersection as quickly as possible. Quote, the most vulnerable point for a cyclist is the middle of that intersection, end quote. And now for regional weather, the National Weather Service has issued a fire weather watch beginning 8 a.m. this Saturday, May 8th, citing dry, gusty winds, low humidity, and unseasonably dry fuels. The watch will affect portions of the Central Valley, the Delta, and the surrounding foothills this weekend and into Monday. In Nevada City and Grass Valley, tonight clear with a low around 47, tomorrow sunny with a high near 72. For our friends in Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight partly cloudy with a low around 36, winds could gust as high as 25 miles per hour. Tomorrow, sunny with a high near 63. And for the valley, Woodland and Sacramento, tonight mostly clear with a low around 51. Tomorrow will be sunny with a high near 84.
Here are Hospitality House's Needs of the Week, followed by Bravehearts. This week, Robert, a man who has lived in the woods of Nevada County for many years, talks about the pain of loneliness and isolation. Christina Abkarian, Marketing and Development Specialist at Hospitality House, and the needs of the shelter for this week are PPE mask and gloves, blankets twin size, new pillows, bottled water, hand warmers, toilet paper, paper towels, men's t-shirts, men and women's tank tops, men and women's shorts, all sizes, women's underwear, sizes small, medium, and large, Women and men's loungewear, lightweight please. Women's casual summer dresses, women's tennis shoes, sizes 7 through 9. Men's tennis shoes, sizes 10 through 12. Ensure and boost drinks for guests undergoing chemo and radiation treatments. Please drop off urgent items or mail them to Utah's Place, located in the Brunswick Basin, past at DMV at 1262 Sutton Way in Grass Valley. For a tax receipt, please ring the doorbell and wait for someone to come outside to assist you. We greatly appreciate the community's help at such times of uncertainty. In the words of Utah Phillips, if we all stick together, we'll all get what we need. Thank you. Welcome to this edition of Bravehearts, where we hope to increase your awareness and understanding of what homelessness looks like and some of the many organizations working on solutions to improve the homeless crisis. We are your hosts, William Wallace and Betty Louise, and these are the Bravehearts. Here is an excerpt from Robert a man living home-free, as he calls it, in Nevada County. The greatest pain I've had, and I've had massive injuries from motorcycles, I've had trauma from fights, so forth and so on, a lot of broken bones, a lot of healing in my life from injuries, and the greatest pain I've ever known is isolation and loneliness, flat out. There's nothing compares to it. So I think that talking about compassion... And talking about the kindness of the community, for me personally, needs to be manifest with action that demonstrates an effort to give others more solace, more peace, and more comfort, especially the dignity of of dying, of leaving this this earth. And so it would be be a privilege, and I'm sure that it would be an enormous growth producer to work in hospice. So what have you learned about people? in these last few years? <laughs> well, we are for sure polarized. It seems to me that there's a lot of people really caught up in this greed that seems to have replaced love in many people's eyes as what makes the world go around. I've learned that many people are misguided. It seems to me that we can recognize the divine within us and we can recognize the divine in others and their actions because it to me it's it's not about theory it's not about talk 
It's not about how good we look or how much money we have. What am I doing personally? This is my personal thing. What am I doing to help somebody else? And if I'm taking action along those lines, then then I can sleep at night. If I'm not, and I'm caught up in the greed I see around me so much now instead of love, well, then I've fallen down. I need to get back up. What do you want people to know about your lifestyle and what it's like to be a homeless person? Home-free. Home-free person. Well, what I've learned and what I'd like to share with others about homelessness or home-free, as I like to call it, I guess the main thing is that try it. You can't miss it. I mean, it will do you a lot of good to sleep outdoors, to rely on... uh, your your wits of course I'm being facetious most people wouldn't even wouldn't even begin to go through the last four years like I have but most people are uh, are in other situations so what I could say about being homeless is uh, it's a marvelous way to connect back to the earth connect back to nature and uh, for example all of our electrical in our body is from the earth's electricity and I'm very blessed to be able to sleep on the ground and to not have smart meters on the side of my house and to not use a computer incessantly or a smartphone or a, any of these things that produce man-made electricity or dirty electricity. And so the homelessness that I've experienced has brought me better health as a result of getting away from the lie that's been perpetrated on us that you really want more on this computer screen. You really want more. And I just, this greed and man's dirty electricity and all that, people can be lied to and not believe the truth, but all of our organs and our whole system and our body runs on Earth's electricity, not on dirty electricity, not on microwave radiation. So I really an advocate of staying off of screens as much as possible. Instead, pick up a face, go talk to somebody, see how they're doing, how you can help, how I can help. I'm not going to ever use you again. It's about what what I'm responsible for is my own actions with other people. And so that's encouraging to anyone. I sure hope you hear me. Thank you for joining us today. Our hope is this segment has opened your heart and mind Be well and be kind. This project was made possible with support from California Humanities, a nonprofit partner of the National Endowment for the Humanities. Please visit calhum.org. And now, Molly Fisk. Molly Fisk, Observations from a Working Poet. When I told my sister I was putting together another book of radio commentaries, she said, you're going to have one about me in there, right? I was leaning against my kitchen counter, resisting the wiles of a cat who thinks dinner time is at 11 a.m. Sarah was changing lanes on the Bay Bridge. Her car has Bluetooth, so somehow phone calls go through her steering wheel. This terrifies me every time we talk on the phone. 
I, the late adopter, was holding a landline to my ear with my shoulder. I've used all the good ones, I said. The one about Fiji, the one about our family not liking vinegar, and what was, oh, that one about your house burning down. Well, she said cheerfully, I guess you'll have to write another one then. What, you get to be in every book? Since when? Don't mess with a good thing, she said. It might be why your books are so popular. See what I have to put up with. I had 14 blissful months as an only child. And then, whammo, this one showed up, born feet first and backward at two in the morning, and the party began. Whether I was destined to be the steady-seeming sister, we'll never know, but I took on the role. Sarah wasn't irresponsible, exactly, and isn't now. But when she collected a whale's vertebra from a beach in Nova Scotia and left it in a locker at the Boston airport, who had to go collect the darn thing and fly it home to California on United? Exactly. It weighed more than 50 pounds, smelled exactly like the whale it came from, and did not, needless to say, fit into the overhead bin, so I also had to feel questions and rude stares as it sat wrapped in brown paper, belted into the seat beside me, and the plane filled with the intoxicating aroma of diesel fuel and dead fish. I saw it the other day on her back porch, 43 years later. I think she uses it as a footstool. I could go on. I'm not friends with Wavy Gravy or Fiji's national rugby team. I didn't walk the Pacific Crest Trail before Cheryl Strayed was out of grade school. I've had adventures, don't get me wrong. But Sarah's adventures always seem more adventurous than anyone else's. This is because she tells such good stories. It's absurd that I turned out to be the writer among us. This week she returned from Paris, where she spoke at a conference on applied improvisation. I'll let you look that up on your telephone. I told her to eat a Parisian éclair, which she did right in front of me on a video chat thingamajig that she made me sign up for before she left town. The last thing I need is an app, for heaven's sakes. But I did it. Her enthusiasm brooks no argument. A pistachio éclair. Paris meant she couldn't go to Burning Man, but don't worry. She'll be flying to Edmonton soon, or an elephant preserve in Kenya, or perhaps an underwater photo excursion off the coast of Bali. Please pray that there are no oversized vertebrae involved. Award-winning poet Molly Fisk writes, coaches, and teaches writing in California's Sierra Nevada foothills. You can reach her at mollyfisk.com. This program is produced at the studios of KVMR-FM, Nevada City, California. Funding is provided by Harmony Books of Downtown Nevada City and KVMR with support from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. That wraps up our newscast for tonight, Thursday, May 6th, 2021. We get support from California Solar Electric Company, a locally owned solar cooperative. California Solar Electric Company is a Sun Power Elite dealer, designing and installing residential home battery storage and commercial solar systems in Nevada County since 2000. Information Cal solar.coop. 
and Sweetland Garden Mercantile, offering seasonal veggie starts, soil amendments, pruning supplies, and tools. Delivery available, open daily 9 to 6 in downtown North San Juan. 292-9000. Sweetlandgm.com. Dig it. Stick around. Money Matters with Mark Cunaberti is next, followed by Democracy Now! at 7 p.m. I'm Claudio Mendoza. Thanks very much for listening, and have a good evening. <laughs>